are you? All right. Two, an awesome and excellent and a bunch of sleepy people. All right. Mark chapter 6 is where we are. If you're borrowing a Bible, I think it has the same page numbers as this one. I think it's page 841 if you've got one of the Pew Bibles, uh, by all means. Otherwise, it's Mark chapter 6 and you have to figure it out, right? All right. So we're in this series. We're talking about who is Jesus. We're asking the question, who is Jesus? As we work through the opening chapters of the Gospel of Mark, that's our focus, leaning into who is Jesus. And so uh, we just heard Psalm 23, which is, is probably familiar to most of us. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? That just, and uh, what Nicole and I were talking about, she said, oh, the, the funeral psalm. I'm like, it's not a funeral psalm. It's actually about living people, right? But it is used at a lot of funerals. It's used in a lot of places. Uh, but that is a common place, right? Uh, I found irony in it as it's really about walking with us while we're alive, right? Uh, but it's that image of God as our shepherd. Now, it's written by David, king of Israel, who had been a shepherd when he was a boy, right? It was something near and close to his heart. Now, you fast forward thousands of years to us, and most of us have never cared for animals out in the wilderness or, you know, even raised cattle for the most part. Maybe some of you have. Maybe some of you have relatives with a farm, and maybe, maybe there's something there for you. But for us, it becomes a metaphor. It becomes an image. We kind of have to understand the image in order to make sense or, or, or get the most out of the song. Can you start the timer, please, Ashley? I know there's football on today, and people will start drifting, so I figure we should start the timer. All right. Um, God is our shepherd. So uh, as we look at who is Jesus, I want to look at that aspect of being a shepherd today. So I'm going to put this on the screen. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus provides care, protection, nourishment, and rest for us. As we rush often through life, Jesus makes sure that we slow down and that we get all that we need. Right, the, let's say it this way. If we're living our faith the way it's intended to be, then Jesus would become our shepherd, our rest, our care, our nourishment. All those things would be true. But as Christians, myself for sure, I find myself out from underneath that, often trying to do things more on my own. Well, that's not how the design is, right? The gospel really in its and its essence is that we're created by God, that we have a design, that we're made to glorify God. We're, let, we're made to kind of derive our power, our, our everything from God, but that we go our own way, right? We sin, we, we make our own decisions. I, I'm doing a, I, I'm, I'm both teaching Old Testament at, at a school right now when we're in Genesis. I'm listening to a podcast that's kind of doing a high-level overview this year of Genesis and just just thinking through how we choose to go our own way, right? And God could leave us to that. We would deserve that. We could, we could be just left by God because we choose to go our own way. But God in his grace and his mercy and his love has sent Jesus to live the life that you and I are called to live but fail, to die a death in our place, to pay the penalty for our sin, right? To reconcile, pay our debt to God, to reconnect us to God, to redeem us, to make us in relationship with God again, and then to empower us to live the way we were intended to live to begin with. 
right? It's that gospel narrative that, that Jesus accomplishes for us that puts us back in that place with him or God proper as our shepherd. That we would derive our strength, our rest, our nourishment, our care, but not from one another, not from the church necessarily, not from work, not from football, not from whatever, not even from the Kansas City Chiefs, Casey. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> Since the Cowboys are out, i got to talk trash, I guess, a little bit. Um, that we would derive that from God. In Matthew, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't always feel like that, if I'm being honest, right? Ministry doesn't always feel like that. Life doesn't even feel easy or light. Words I would never use today, right? I was joking with my wife this week. I had to get tested a couple times this week, negative both times. But nowadays, you hiccup, and you're like, I got COVID, right? Like, like all of a sudden, like, it's your head. This culture has just programmed us to just go there. It's a weird world we live in. It doesn't feel easy. It doesn't feel light. But Jesus says those words, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if we're not experiencing that, my guess is it's on us. It's not Jesus, right? So we're going to see that a little bit today. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He, meaning Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? So it's a Sabbath day. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Disciples are with him. Probably feels like a work day for them, too, right? I might be up here, but I know Yvette's working, that Alex is working. I know, like, the staff is still moving. It's a work day for all of us, right? And that's kind of the setting for Jesus and the disciples. <clears throat> Verse 2, right in the middle of it, it says... Uh, what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Jesus pretty much rejected here in this area, in this synagogue, <clears throat> excuse me, where he, it's his hometown, where his family goes to church, if you will. Right? And, and there's a sense of that that sometimes when you grow up in that place or when you, you uh, I remember telling most of you know Pastor Vinny, uh, a pastor that was under me for, for many years and then I handed a church off to him. He's done some work here. He's now the lead pastor of a church in Idaho. And then he grew up in the church that I restarted when it was declining, getting ready to close. We restarted it. We grew it. We got it healthy. He was on the team with me, but he had grown up in that church. Literally, his family was in that church. His father-in-law had been in that church for decades. And so when he became the lead pastor of that church, when I left and handed it off to him, some people still saw him as that kid in, in, in elementary school or junior high or middle school, or the guy that used to be the youth leader. And so he just never, it was hard. He overcame a lot of that, but there was some where it just it was hard to be the leader. When I got there, I came in as the lead pastor. It's easy to start there. So Jesus is experiencing some of that. He's getting kind of rejected and put down, right? And when we get rejected, when we're not received well, when people say negative things about us, sometimes it just weighs on us, right? 
We've all been rejected, right? I've been rejected. I'm sure most of you have. And it's hard, right? There's a weight that goes to that. Verse 5. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went among the villages teaching. So he does a little bit of ministry there, but not normal. Their lack of faith really prevents some cool things from happening, from some of the things that would normally happen. So when I hear this, I just hear kind of a harder context for ministry, right? We're online, we're in here, we're on the patio, we're wearing masks, we're, you know, we're, I, just all this, right? It's not the normal. It's just a harder version of doing ministry together, right? It's a harder version of your work week because of these things. Like everything is just a little bit different, a little bit harder. And that's what's going on here. Verse 7, and he called the 12, meaning his disciples, those 12 that we know of that are named, and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So Jesus sends his disciples out two by two to go out and to preach and to heal. He gives them authority and power. What I want you to hear is really cool stuff happens, but I want you to think of this. Remember that time whenever you trained how to do something, anything, could be what you do for a living, could be a, 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 a hobby, our tech team behind the booth here. When someone else who knows what they're doing is doing it and you're alongside them, it totally makes sense. You're like, I get this, I can do this, you're doing it, you got your hands on it, everything's working right, and then that person who really knows what they're doing leaves. You do it for the first time yourself, right? All of a sudden, it's really hard. That's them in ministry. They've been alongside Jesus where it totally makes sense. Now they're sent out two by two without Jesus, and they do achieve some really cool things. I just want you to realize it's a harder version of it, right? Verse 8, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you and you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. <clears throat> it's both easy in a sense, like he's given them clear direction. Here's what I want you to do. And here's how I want you to kind of gauge how long you stay. Go stay in a place, stay in one place, and then go, move on. People reject you, shake the dust off. Like, just go, just kind of blow them off. Just keep rolling, right? You don't need to take extra. You don't need to worry about it. Simple set of rules. But it's also a challenge, right? Now you're dependent upon other people and, and how they receive you. And yes, you've got a clear template, but you're not self-sufficient either. So there's some challenges. And even though it's very clear, it's challenging. Verse 12. And so they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick and healed them, right? So they proclaimed that people should repent. You all know how you love to hear how what you're doing is wrong and you need to change, right? So that totally went easy for them, right? Just like you guys, love it. They're casting out demons. We just saw that last week with Jesus. Even Jesus has this encounter with a legion of demons. And it's just a, it's a hard day at work, for sure, right? So they're, they're engaging that. And then they're healing people. There's some really cool things going on, right? But again, they're out on their own. They're out from underneath the cover of Jesus, who normally navigates everything for them, right? He's been teaching them, they get it, now they're going to go out and they, they do it, but they're doing it without him. 
My guess is they fumble some of their way through it, right? And some of the debrief settings that we see in other Gospels, it talks through kind of some of the struggles they have, right? But it's just very clear directions, very easy, very simple, but also very challenging. We're going to skip down. There's a, there's a passage in the middle here about the death of John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is beheaded. He is a local prophet. He's actually Jesus' cousin. Most of the disciples know John the Baptist. Everybody knows of John the Baptist. Some of these disciples were baptized by John the Baptist. He's beheaded. He's killed um, for the same idea. He told somebody what they were doing was wrong. And it wasn't honoring to God and that they should not do it. That results in him losing his head, literally. And so this happens in between. Of course, Jesus and his disciples hear about this. So it kind of adds a layer on top of things. <clears throat> Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So here's the debrief, right? We're not given a whole bunch about it. Other gospels talk more about it. They come back, they debrief with Jesus. Here's how things went. Now I'm just going to put this up. Just kind of, here's an idea for you. It's kind of an exhausting season of ministry. The disciples ministered alone for several days or weeks. We're not told how long. Doing challenging ministry, meaning they're out from underneath the cover of Jesus, right? How exhausting was it? Probably really hard. How exhilarating was it? It was probably really cool. Like it, when it went well, they just did well, right? When it was tough, they were experiencing it was tough. They were out from underneath that kind of usual cover that Jesus provided for them. You know, how would you feel at the end of that? It doesn't matter if it lasted five days or five weeks. Like it's a lot, right? They've been out doing these things. They've been rejected in one place. They've been over here. They just heard about the death of John the Baptist, literally being beheaded. They've been out doing this ministry. My guess at this moment, as we come back to this story at this point, is it's time for a nap, right? Like it's, it's been, there's been a lot going on, right? Verse 31, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So my, my read on the nap, probably accurate, right? So let's get away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Verse 32, and they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. So Jesus recognizes that this season's been a lot. He calls them to rest. So let's get away by ourselves. Let's get some place. Let's, let's get some rest, right? You've been at this frenetic pace. You've been going and going and going. You really haven't even had the leisure to eat, right? Meals have been interrupted because ministry has been so busy. Okay. Here's a, another note for you. So Jesus calls his disciples to rest. So Jesus, as their shepherd, sees their need for rest and sends them away to a desolate place. Jesus shows us that rest is important both to our physical and spiritual health, right? You'll hear from doctors, you'll hear on TV or whatever, like a good night's sleep is a really good start to physical health, right? Well, spiritual rest is also important, right? That not just physical rest, which is important to our physical health, but spiritual rest, learning how to rest in our faith is also incredibly important to our spiritual health. Jesus, as their shepherd, right, the one who cares for them, the one who nourishes them, the one who rests them, the one who leads them, he's saying it's time. It's time for some rest. Verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Right? So they're going to a desolate place, 
and people see them and run and get there ahead of them, really not providing this space for rest. Verse 34, and when he went ashore, meaning Jesus, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus is compassionate. Jesus allows the interruption, right? And Jesus fulfills the need of the crowd. He begins to care for them. Note that it talks about sheep and a shepherd, right? There's this illusion here, this kind of insight, this giving us this image of Jesus as a shepherd, caring for the people, right? Meeting them where they are. But I want to just kind of, I want to stay with the disciples for a minute. But the disciples who were going to a desolate place to get some rest aren't resting now. Why? Because people are there. Why? Because Jesus begins to care for the people. Now, it doesn't say the disciples have any immediate role or task at that moment, but you can imagine they're there with Jesus, right? That they're, they're busy. They're kind, of, they're kind of caught up in this moment. So where they were going to go rest is no longer restful. Okay, verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So it's the end of the day. The sun's beginning to set. You can feel the breeze coming in. It's getting cooler. It's late. We haven't rested yet. People are getting hungry. We don't have a way to feed them Let's send them away. Like, now's the time. Remember, we came here to rest. Now we're getting hungry. Also, let's send the folks away, right? Verse 37, he answered them, you give them something to eat. Gotta love it. Listen to the response. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii with the bread and give it them to eat? So they kind of have this sarcastic response, right? They have, it's, it's a little rude. You give them something to eat. Okay, now, first off, they don't have the capacity to do that. And they're kind of at their end, right? They, but they seriously don't have the food. So their answer is a bit sarcastic, right? When I am tired, when I am worn out, whether it be physically tired, spiritually tired, mentally just done, one of the things that starts happening earlier is I start getting shorter and, and sarcastic, right? My wife will tell you I'm a perfect human being, but, but, <laughs> she's not here to argue with me, so, right? But I will get downright short and rude, like it gets worse. Same, uh, Pastor Vinny, we used to work together, he and I are very close, we're still very close, even though there's a thousand miles of distance between us, we talk all the time, but we, be, we were so close together that I would see the things in him when he was kind of wearing thin and he would see them in me and we had permission to kind of engage those things, right? Talk about them like, hey, I see this, right? You'll, are you good, you know? But I know like I get like this. Like I, I see that in myself. Well, you give them something to eat. Well, should we just go buy a million dollars worth of food, Jesus? <laughs> That's their answer, right? Here's a note for you. Signs of needing rest. The disciples get rude. So there's a bunch of titles today. Sorry. Disciples are rude or sarcastic response. Oh, disciples rude or sarcastic response to Jesus. Give, oh, actually, there's no title there. Forget it. I told you I'm a perfect human being. All right. So their response to Jesus gives us a clue to their need for rest. What do you do when you're getting weak or in need of rest? What do you do when you're physically in need of rest? What, do you, what, what about when you're emotionally, spiritually, mentally in need of rest? What are those, what are those things that are kind of tells, right? 
talk about tells, like if you're gambling and you're trying to bluff and people are like, oh, you always twitch when you do that. Well, that's, you probably shouldn't do that then. But what are the tells for you physically or verbally like that you're running a little thin, right? This is the disciples. We see this in them right here. Verse 38, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five loaves and two fish. So back to the story. We're still going to feed the crowd. Jesus still said, you feed them. Just because they don't know how and just because they're tired doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Right? So he asked, well, how many fish? Go, how, many, how much food do you have? Go and find out. They do. Right? My question here is, how do we understand Jesus both at the same time telling them they need rest and then telling them to do something. You with me? Right? There's almost this contrasting kind of thing, like, hey, you need rest, let's go get a loan, and they don't get to do that. Do they still need rest? They do, right? Jesus has said that very clearly, like, hey, there's a need here. We should do this. That hasn't happened. Now we're here, there's people, and instead of getting back to the rest part, he's like, you feed them. We don't have anything to feed them. Go see what you do have. You see kind of the, the conflict there? How is it that Jesus can say, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and then put us on this planet in the middle of this world where things just don't feel that way? Sometimes it feels like there's a conflict going on. And I, I've come to reconcile the idea in my life that I'm to blame I just don't know how. Like, I still live in a world filled with COVID, or I still, there's still an endless amount of people that need to be cared for. There's still not enough hours in the day. I also believe that Jesus is right. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. I figure I'm the one messing it up. But how? When I read through the story, you need rest. Let's get away to a place to rest. Yet that doesn't happen. But he doesn't pull back and say, hey, you go rest, we'll send the people away, because that would make sense in my head. He didn't say, hey, you guys go, you guys keep going because they're following me. I go over there, I'll distract them. I'll feed them. I'll send them away. He says, you feed them. How are we going to do that? Let's figure out what you got. Let's start there. Five loaves, two fish. Okay, verse 39. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven, he blessed, said a blessing, broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. So how do we understand this, this bit of conflict? How do we understand Jesus saying you need rest and Jesus saying do more work? hey, I want you to rest, let's get alone. Nope, you feed the people. How do we understand that? Well, here's what Jesus does. He takes what they have, and he blesses it. Right? He takes what they, with the resources they've got, which are not enough. What they have isn't enough. But when you take what isn't enough and you add Jesus, you have enough. Make sense? He takes their flawed abilities, their flawed assets, their, their, their resources, they don't have what it takes, but he has what it takes to take what they have and make it enough. When they trust in him, and we'll swap the word trust for rest too, right? But when they trust in him, what they have, which is not enough, becomes enough. 
that they can actually do what Jesus has called them to do with not enough. See, when we rest in Jesus, when we find our rest in Jesus, and sometimes it's just this, that our strength comes from Jesus, not from ourselves. It's not my resources, my abilities, my whatever I can put in my hands and say, okay, this is mine, right? But rather, when, when Jesus flows through me, that's resting in him. And when they allow him, they just kind of come to him almost empty-handed. There's more disciples than loaves and fish put together, right? Kind of go, this is all we've got. And I'm not sure they're overwhelmingly, they're like, we've got plenty. You can totally make this work. They're not saying that. They're like, well, we don't have enough, right? Which is where I would be. But Jesus makes it enough. Jesus multiplies. Jesus blesses. Jesus takes. And he makes what is not enough. He makes it enough. They find their rest in Jesus in this way. Or they find, let me rephrase that. I'm not sure they're finding their rest in Jesus. But what they have, Jesus still uses, right? Verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. That's the crowd, the disciples, everybody. Verse 43, and they took up 12 basketfuls full of broken pieces in the fish. In other words, there's more left over than there was to begin with. Verse 44, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So there's plenty of food. All the people are satisfied. There's plenty of leftovers. And here's the kicker, right? And the disciples were able to feed them. Jesus still uses them, even though what they bring to the table, pardon the pun, is, is incomplete, right? They don't really have enough. So here's a note for us. Jesus, our shepherd, empowers us. Jesus takes what we have when what we have is not enough, and he makes it enough. He empowers us in our weakness as we rest in him. For those of you note takers, all these notes are on our app. You missed something, right? But this is important. When what we have is not enough, he makes it enough, right? He takes what we have. He empowers us in our weakness. He uses our inability. He uses our incomplete ability to do something. He uses the brokenness. And when we, we rest that brokenness in him, he moves through us, and it's plenty. In fact, it's more than enough. They end up with more than they began with. And they fed 5,000 people. Right, this is just one of those, it just kind of blows your head up a minute, right? How? Well, it's just not humanly possible. But that's the point, right? That if it was humanly possible, they wouldn't need to rest in Jesus. But because it's impossible, because they have nothing to offer, the lunch they get, if you read the story in the other Gospels, the lunch they get is a little boy's lunch. I mean, that's what they get. They get somebody else's food. They don't even have anything to contribute, but what they can gather up, what they can do, Jesus makes more than enough. Verse 45, it says, immediately, there's that word again, right? For those of you that are following along, this is one of the 36 times it's used. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So I want you to hear both the pace of what Mark is writing about. It's always immediate. Like all these things, the word is used over and over and over again. Immediately, here's what Jesus does. No time for rest, get them on a boat. Now the idea is we're putting them on a boat to go get them some rest. Jesus is staying here. Jesus is dismissing the crowd. This is what maybe in our brains could have happened earlier that would have made more sense. We need to rest, get rid of them right? But Jesus' compassion, 
his shepherd heart for people won't allow him to do that. So he spends the time teaching them, caring for them, even feeding them before he sends them off. But he also sends his disciples away so that they can rest. See, the shepherd in Jesus remains even when their pace of life doesn't feel like it, when they can't figure it out, when they're not seeing this shepherding care and rest and provision because they're caught up in it. And that's where Mark captures that immediately. And there's this pace again that they're going through. Verse 46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on a mountain to pray. So I love this. In the midst of all this, what does Jesus do? He gets a way to be alone to pray. Because let's be honest, his disciples are not, you know, like deficit neutral, right? They're, they're a drain too, right? I know you all are perfect, but these guys, these guys are hard to work with, right? So Jesus gets alone to pray. Now, I always say this, that if Jesus, who is both 100% God and 100% human, which is new math for sure, but right, which is a bit of the mystery of who Jesus is. If he needs to pray, if he needs to get alone, how much more do you and I? And that's what he does. He gets alone to pray. All right, verse 47. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land and he saw that they were making headway painfully. So listen to the story about the disciples there in a storm making headway painfully. That's pretty descriptive. For the wind was against them. So this is a battle. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I love this line. He meant to pass by them. We'll pick that up in a minute, right? There's this storm going on. So the disciples, even though they've been sent away to rest, right? Hey, you guys go on ahead. What's their journey looking like? It's a battle. They're into the wind, right? They're making headway. It says painfully. Like Mark captures this moment for us. So their little nice little restful getaway is just they're getting their butt kicked, right? So Jesus walks on the water. I love it. It says like he's going to pass them by. But verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. Now, to, before we critique the disciples for thinking they saw a ghost, you do it. You get in a boat and see somebody walking on water and tell me what you think. All right? Before we're too critical, right? So, ah, a ghost. Funny. But just imagine you're there and somebody's walking on the water. I freak out too, right? I see some crazy things. I freak out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately, there's that word, he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded. So Jesus walks on the sea, he calms the storm, even a greater miracle, he calms the disciples down, which is good. They haven't gotten rest yet, right? It was way earlier. He's like, we really need to get you guys some rest. You've done a lot. Still haven't rested. I'm going to read that verse again. I want to finish with this. I want you to hear this. Start back at verse 51. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Now listen to how this ends. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. It's the weirdest ending for a passage ever. Wait, okay, so they didn't understand about the loaves. They totally, I get that. For their hearts were hardened. You're like, what? How do we get to that? See, they're so at the end of themselves, and they're so confused, and they're so tired, 
that instead of resting in Jesus, they're just hardening their hearts. We see it earlier in the sarcasm. We see it in their response, like, what do you mean us feed them? Like, we're going to go get $2 million worth of food? What, how are we going to pull this off? Like, remember, we need rest. Like, I think you need rest too, Jesus, because I'm not sure what you're thinking here. It doesn't get better for them from there. It doesn't soften them when he uses them. Instead, they're still living on that, how do I do this in my own strength? They're not resting in Jesus at all. Now, there's a sense of this where Jesus is still working through them, right? Jesus still used them. Jesus didn't say, listen, you guys are hard-hearted. You guys are being sarcastic. You're kind of irritating me right now, so I'm going to feed the crowd. That would be what I would say. Just... <laughs> This is why I'm not your savior, right? So that we're all safer because of that. He still uses them. He'll still use you. But how are you going to come out of this being used? Are you going to come out empowered and rested in Christ? Are you going to come out hard-hearted? I remember I was reading this the other day, and, and uh, funny, you, you guys, how many of you guys get the text every morning, get the text from the church to read through the passage? This morning, storm on the sea was the other, another, right? <laughs> Disciples haven't had a lot of breaks in the last few chapters, right? But Jesus keeps calming these storms. You can focus on the storm, or you can remember how Jesus calmed the storm. We have a choice in life, Right? For those of us who are in Christ, and, and, and if, when I say that, for those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus and, and put him at the top of the priority list, even better, as our only priority and everything else flows out of that, for those of us who, who identify that and live for that imperfectly as we do it, to be fair, for those of us who are in Christ, we have that choice. Right? You, you have the opportunity, if that's not you, you have the opportunity to follow Jesus and and. And, and hear this and, and learn from this, right? That Jesus lived and died and rose again, that in that, he lived a life that we're called to live. We don't get just to see it, but he accomplished it. He died a death in our place so that we don't die, right? So that we can live in him. He was buried in grave, rose from the dead, really giving us spiritual life, like reconnecting us to the way that we were made, that we then get to live inside that, that spirit of God. Jesus ascends to heaven so he can pour out his spirit on us. That we not just get a new life, but we get empowered to live a different life. And that's a part of that rest, that we would allow the spirit to live through us, not try and do it ourselves. But it's in that moment where the disciples are just kind of rude and sarcastic, like, we can't do this, which is true, they can't. But Jesus can. And even though he uses them, they continue to focus on the things that are hard, not how Jesus has carried them through each thing. So here's where we end. This is where you and I end a lot. They still don't get it, and their hearts are hard. Right? That's the end of my day often. Right? I'm just being honest. I don't get it. Still not sure how we're going to do whatever the next day or live through the night. But Jesus keeps showing up. Jesus keeps using me, keeps using you. 
keeps using you. Because Jesus is our shepherd. Because he leads me beside still waters. Right? He restores my soul. Right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that psalm about God as our shepherd. It's how Jesus desires to lead us through this. Whether we do or don't, we're still there. Still being led by our shepherd. But sometimes we can see that distance where we start to get tired. If we don't get it in check, we start to get hard-hearted. It's not that Jesus just says, okay, you're somebody else's sheep now. He just keeps bringing us back in. There's some beautiful imagery there, the rod and the staff, and there's some amazing stories. Those of you who've been around the church for a long time, there's a book that's, I think it's older than I am, but uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's an amazing thing that walks through the symbolism in Psalm 23. How Jesus is our shepherd. So just leave with that. They're confused, they don't understand, and they're hard-hearted, and that's how we often are. But Jesus is still their shepherd. Jesus is still using them, and Jesus keeps providing for them. We get to choose now. How are we going to do that? Is our day going to rise and fall on the outcome of a playoff game? Is it going to rise and fall on how much work I get done or don't do, or how good my kids are or aren't, by how good my spouse is to me today or isn't, or by how the drive home goes, or by anything else? Or is it just going to rise on the fact that Jesus continues to shepherd us no matter how wayward we can be? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. You are our good shepherd. We shall not want, just like the verse says. Like, we actually don't need anything because you have you've already secured everything for us. Now, we're just going to be honest. We don't always feel that way. That doesn't make it true, but we don't feel that way. And Jesus, we confess, we, we often let our feelings dictate how we live. We know feelings are not trustworthy. I know that often even sometimes not true. But you are our shepherd. We watch as these crazy disciples, crazy just like we are, how they continue to get used by you, how they continue to see the miraculous, the amazing, the, uh, the extraordinary that you do. They don't get it. Their hearts are still closed off, but you still love them. You still love us. So soften our hearts, Jesus. Help us to understand. Pour out your spirit. Let your breath flow through us. We thank you that you don't give up on us, that you are our shepherd, that we have all that we need in you. So Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.